This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You need to know what's happening. It's, 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 it's time to get in the huddle with Carl Duke, Brian Baldinger, and Jason LaConfora. Back for another edition of In the Huddle, Carl Dukes. Put him up along with my man Jason Lacanfora. Of course, Brian Baldinger, part of this podcast as well. He'll join us on Thursday, guys. Counting down, believe it or not, the countdown to the end of the season is now on as we head to week 12. And I'll say this, Jason, you know, Thanksgiving, I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Everybody had a great holiday. Yeah, man, um, it was it was good to have football on. Thanksgiving Day was bad football for the most part. I mean, the games are crap. We'll talk a little bit about the Cowboys here in a second, but let's start with the news that came down yesterday with Frank Reich being fired in Carolina by Dave Tepper, who obviously is the most impatient owner right now in the NFL. Five coaches in four years, I think it is, for Tepper, and now they've got to find somebody else to come in there and take the reins and hopefully turn Bryce Young around. Yeah, I mean, look, there are some serious toddler tendencies here with this billionaire. Um but the rumbling started. I, I started hearing stuff five, six weeks ago. The great thing about Tepper is he he is uh, so childish in so many ways. He wears his emotions on his sleeve, and he tends to, you know, hem. Uh, I'm sorry, not hem and haw, uh, puff and pout and vent. And so word gets out pretty quickly about what's on his mind because uh, he has no poker face. And so I started picking this stuff up five or six weeks into the season. And I'm like, man, even for this guy, it's a little early. Like, let's let this breathe. And then, I mean, by Halloween, people are like, dude, we're just, I'm just telling you. Like, if C.J. Stroud keeps going this way and Bryce Young keeps going this way, this guy's going to fire people. And started writing about it at the Washington Post. And, and unfortunately, uh, here we are. It's an indictment of him. He He's the one who has final say on all of this. There was no way Bryce Young was being selected and they were making that trade without Tepper being completely on board with it, if not driving the ship. Um, a lot of that process was chronicled in real time by me and others. Uh, it was clear that Tepper was going to have to sign off, stamp, whatever, any move they made. And he fell in love with this kid. And he's a big part of the reason why they drafted him. And, you know, look, I'm not saying that that thing there was going um, in a great direction. But, But when you do bring in all these different people, like when you've got a quarterback you've taken first overall, and I get it. He looks at that whole division and he's very upset because he can't have his cookies when he wants his cookies, right? And and he wants it right now. But, like, you brought in – you didn't bring in Frank Reich and a bunch of people he's worked with for years. What I liked about what they did was he pulled people from different backgrounds and different systems. It wasn't just put together by one agent who looked at all of his people who were out of work or all his people he could get a raise for and said, you're going to Carolina with Frank. 
This was not that, which means it might take it might take more than 12 weeks. You know, right. you might have to live with a couple of years with this quarterback before it fully turns around. Um, I didn't like what went on with the play calling stuff, and you could tell that 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 this owner was um uh wearing his emotions on his sleeve and and he had a lot of people under a lot of pressure not even three months into this thing and it didn't bring out the best in everybody and he you know he, he can do whatever he wants it's it's his franchise but if i'm a carolina panthers fan i'm thinking long and hard about how i'm spending my money on that franchise until i see that that franchise is being um run in a manner that makes me think there's an actual plan, you know, that there's some commitment to an idea, uh, that there's a cogent direction. And he'll probably chase, I'm guessing he's going to chase Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator of the Lions, because he fell in love with him last year and he got pissed off because he wouldn't just take his money, you know, and he got pissed off that who is this guy who's never coached in the league and I'm coming here to make him one of the 32 and he doesn't want it. He's going to stay in Detroit. And what have they ever won? Like, so I don't know. Everybody's got a price and maybe he just keeps throwing money at him. Um, but I know this much, Carl, that quarterback, he's not going to get any taller this off season. You know what I mean? He might get a little thicker. He might get a little more uh, fortified in the trunk, uh, in the core. Um, but. This, this they made their bed. They don't have the first round pick. Uh, th- this guy to me is a loser until proven otherwise. He's he's the Jimmy Haslam of the NFC. You know, both those guys came from the the Steelers organization. They spent a lot of time around the Rooney family. And when Jimmy Haslam bought the Browns, there was p- people dancing in the aisles because more the Browns making more money means we all make more money, right? And they thought that sleeping giant of a franchise was waking up. No, it's it's been a joke, right? And Tepper, same background, even more money than Haslam. People thought he's probably a little smarter than Haslam. Hasn't shown in anything that he's done either. So um, the next time a Steelers minority owner wants to buy a team, Carl, they should probably find somebody else. Yeah, Jason, I'm curious to who he's listening to. This kind of reminds me of when Jerry, you know, bought the Cowboys, right? And Jerry had all the answers and he's had all the answers for 25 years until yeah. now he's realizing I need outside input from football people to kind of help me make these decisions that just can't be me and Steven. You know, Jim Caldwell's a senior assistant. Dom Capers, senior assistant on that staff. It's not as if these guys haven't been around the league. Who is he listening to? Did he call these guys in and say, hey, this, is where, we're, this is where we're at? Yeah. What, where do you guys think? I don't think he did any of that. And to me, that's the no. mistake. He's not listening to anybody outside of his room and all of those people are yes men. Well, I, I think at this point, all the money he's spent and all the things that have failed, I don't think failure suits him very well. He's not used to being told no. He's not used to not yep. getting what he wants. He's not used to not being able to buy his way out of problems, personal or otherwise. So I think all that has built built up a lot of frustration and has probably um, been the worst thing possible for his toddler tendencies. Uh, and I don't know that there's a lot of people who really, in, in the football world or otherwise, 
are going to talk him in or talk him out of much. Um, I I just don't. But like, he's got to be sitting there thinking, saying, "I like Scott Fitterer and the, the GM and everybody in that front office will be gone three seconds after the season ends." So I, I still haven't found the personnel guy I want to be with for the long term. I haven't found the coach I want to be with for the long term. I maybe haven't found the quarterback, despite what we did to get the quarterback. Now, I don't think he should be thinking in those terms, but clearly he is because he just fired people after three quarters of a season with the kid because it wasn't good enough for him, right? Yeah. So I haven't found any of that. They haven't built me the stadium. Everybody's getting stadium built. So I haven't got the stadium built the way I want it. I didn't get the 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 uh, practice facility financed and done the way I want it. Like, these are ma- – like, those are five, like – principal core foundational things that he when he bought this team thought that's what I've got to get aligned that's what I've got to get so my revenue streams are right so my long-term plans are set so that I don't have to sweat every single play call of every single Sunday he hasn't checked any of those boxes and he he didn't just get here yesterday he's been around for a while and that division has gotten systematically worse around him and he hasn't been able to capitalize at all so, look, someone will take the job, they'll have qualifications. It probably won't work because Tepper put it together. And and who can talk him into this or out of this? I, I really I really don't know. The Rooney should be the perfect sounding point for him. That's who he should be talking to. Who's put it together better than them? He's the intent. Would the Rooney's fire – I don't care what happened. Are the Rooney's firing a coach at Thanksgiving who they just no. hired? You know, no. uh, on 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 uh, St. Patrick's Day? No, they're not. Let me ask you this: uh, and as we talk about this Frank Reich situation, listen, coaches get fired. We've seen it. He won't be the last before the season's over. I still think Brandon Staley's on the hot seat, and that could happen any minute. But I'll say this: in, in having been in Carolina, <clears throat> gone to some of those games, talked to some of the fans there uh, over the years. You really want to piss fans off, build a new stadium, and charge PSLs because that market cannot yeah. handle it. Yeah. And the product sucks right now, and hopefully it gets better. But you're right about the stadium, and it just made me think about a conversation I had with some fans uh, last season when they were saying, hey, part of me being a fan is I've been able to afford tickets for 20 years, come to these games, and not have to pay a PSL on top of my ticket price, which we know that's the NFL model and the way you know of, of going about things and i'm just thinking tepper that's he's going to try to recoup his money just like all these other owners once he gets the practice facility once he gets the new stadium which he will eventually and i'm just telling you jason that that market it, it's you know it, new orleans doesn't do it there's a reason yeah. why they don't charge psls right and there's a, i don't think there's certain places you can't do that so it's going to be interesting and if the team doesn't get any better obviously there'll be a revolt against the owner who says hey i'm making all these decisions I want to see where this all goes. I know he thinks he has all the answers, but I thought this was a monumental mistake at this point in the season. Let it play out and let's see. And right. if you got the wrong quarterback, change the quarterback. But it was like Frank Reich didn't know what he was doing. And this guy's been, you know, well-respected around the league for years. So it's a crazy situation there in Carolina. And by the way, I don't know if they win another game. I just don't. Yeah. I, the sad thing is for them. Normally, that would be the answer because it's like, well, now we're going to get the first pick in the draft. And if we don't want a quarterback, we'll That's sell right. that off and we'll get we'll recoup all we gave up to get Bryce Young and then some 
right? And we'll have two picks in the top nine because somebody's going to move up for our quarterback and we're not going to move back that far, right? You'll have all that. Like, he's got none of that. Like, he doesn't have a first-round pick. Somebody else is going to use his pick, Chicago, to take Caleb Williams. How's that? How's that going to make the toddler feel? <laughs> it's Jason Lock on four, Who's guys. Who's going to take that out on, Carl? Who's he going to take that out on? The guy in the mirror. He'll be like, how did I do that? Fire everybody in the ticket office. Oh, I, I screwed up again. Hey, marketing guy, you're gone. Merry Christmas. Yeah, it's going to be his fault. Uh, and he's got a lot to fix now. Jason Lock on four, Carl Dukes. It's in the huddle. Subscribe, like us, guys. In the huddle pod on YouTube. You can watch us. And make sure you don't miss any episodes as we break down all things NFL. Um, I want to I want to turn the page here and talk about what we're watching with the Eagles. We've been saying all year, Jason, they're not as dominant. This is maybe not as good as they were last year, but <laughs> this was their fourth straight comeback. The Bills and Eagles game was bananas the other night. Um, Jalen Hurts five touchdowns, thirty-seven, thirty-four overtime game, walk-off touchdown. Jalen Hurts is just great in these critical situations, bro. I mean, he's just unbelievable and just cool, right? Yeah. Never oh, gets yeah. overly excited, doesn't lose his head, and you see how that team responds. Yep. Guys, I'm, I think they're back on their way to the Super Bowl. I mean, seriously. Like, I think it's good because they're going to have home field, right, Jason? And you've got to go to Philly. And I don't think, even with the 49ers going back there as they did last year, if it's the Cowboys, I don't care. I think that's a hard road. So just want to say this before I get your take on this. The kid is 16-1 and one in his last 17 games, 27-2 and two in the past 29. That's Jalen Hurts. Yeah. I don't care what you say, man. That, that is incredibly impressive. Absolutely. When he plays, they win, period. I mean, you can, you can count. You can go back to the middle of the 2021 season when they kind of scrapped their grandiose ideas about what they were going to be and figured out what it took to win. Since that point, I mean, you can count on one hand the times they've lost with the quarterback being healthy. And one of them was by three points to, you know, Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes in a Super Bowl. So, yeah, I don't really, like, trying to dissect what – would have, could have, should have. They they win. They know how to win. They know how to win in different ways. They know how to win when they blow you out in the first half and the second half doesn't matter. They know how to win when they blow you out in the first half. They let their foot off the gas. Then they come back in the fourth quarter to, to choke you out. They know what it's like to come from behind. Um, they know what it's like to win a close game that's played in the low 20s. They know what it's like to play a close game that gets on, you know, where both teams are flirting with 40. So, they, they win in elements, right? They win in rain. They win outside. They don't need to be in a dome. They're fine if you do. You want to play a shootout in the dome, we can do that. But, like, you know, we can play at home in a slog in a cold, rainy day. I, they just win football games. They are a smooth football operation. And I think it's that unflappability of Jalen Hurts that's gone a long way to um, allowing a young coaching staff that, that then had a uh, – Defection of all these coaches. Defection is the wrong way to say it. But, like, it's a young coaching staff that was just really coming together. And then they lose two coordinators. And then they're still right back to winning every week, regardless of game flow, regardless of adversity, even though this group hasn't been together that long because they just lost two coordinators to becoming head coaches. And yet here they are 
still winning more than everybody else. It's it's um, a testament to, to everybody there. Now, saying all that, I think you're going to lose San Francisco this week. Like it, the the way it's just the the, the way up. the schedule set up, yeah. and they're due for one. And the same way that we saw the Eagles go to Kansas City in prime time, right, and really look at that as a chance to make a statement or get some comeuppance or whatever, right? I think that's the way the – like the Eagles have now run this gauntlet. It's not like the Eagles don't want to beat the San Francisco 49ers too. But this, I think, for Kyle Shanahan is everything he's been keeping in his back pocket all year, he's throwing out there in this game. They want to show the Eagles that, you know, last year doesn't matter anymore. And they're probably healthier. And, Carl, they're more well-rested, right? Yeah. The, the, the 49ers are coming off a Thursday game, which was over two and a half. I mean, midway through the second quarter, it was pretty clear that Seattle can't run with these guys. You know what I mean? And and so they've got the extra rest. They played a divisional game, yeah, but a divisional game that they bossed from the opening drive on, where the Eagles played in the elements, right, on Sunday night in a death march till, you know, through overtime. Yeah. I, I just think, you know, and now Lane Johnson's maybe out. Like, that's – so they're, they're probably going to lose that game, and that's fine. They're going to be the one seed. And, I, yeah, I think I'm with you. I think they're going back to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I, I I just been impressed. And by the way, here's another hurt stat for you. The kid has 10, 10 t- rushing touchdowns in three consecutive seasons. So you go back to 21, he had 10. In 22, he had 11. And now this year, he has 11 rushing touchdowns. I mean, that's 10 or more in three consecutive seasons. So he runs effectively. Obviously, the tush push, he's got him a bunch of touchdowns as well. Yep. I don't know, man. I just I keep looking at the Eagles. We know their roster stack. Baldy always talks about how that roster's so deep. And you look at the way they're playing. But I'm with you about the 49ers this week. I, I kind of agree with you on that. It's set up that way. Um, and, and I even like the number, to be quite honest with you. So we're going to talk plenty more about uh, what we think about the games coming up later this weekend. Hey, man, let's talk about uh, at least the Cowboys from the Thanksgiving Day perspective. Dak looked great again. I know you've been saying, Jason, they're playing the Sisters of the Poor, and they have. All these teams, eight of their wins of the 11, you know, eight wins and 11 games, it's all come against teams that are under 500. But look at their schedule coming up. Starting Thursday, they get Seattle. Again, I don't think Seattle's just in a good spot. We'll see. Seattle's not good. Philly, Bills. Bills are in must-win mode right now. Miami, Lions. Oh, yeah, and, and the Lions. All are 500 or better. That's what the Cowboys have coming. So we're about to learn a lot about the Cowboys yeah. here over the next five weeks. Yeah. I, again, I know some people have tried to say that that segment of the schedule starts Thursday night. No. <laughs> and, and getting beat up Seattle at home. Uh, no, that doesn't that doesn't count for me. Um, but, yeah, we will. And, and, look, particularly on the road. Like, their home and road splits are pretty extreme. So can they – and they're not going to win their division, and they're certainly not going to be the number one seed in the NFC, right? So, like, they're going to probably be at best the fourth, which means multiple road games unless crazy things happen. That's where the rubber will meet the road, and that's where, I think for me, I think the story will end. Now, maybe we'll learn something about them during this little gauntlet that you laid out that, that changes my opinion or, or some other people's opinions. Um. And maybe they, this is the year that Jerry Jones shoves it in everybody's face. Uh, the, the, look, I am 
it's you you can't not be impressed by what they're doing offensively now. Yeah. Uh it's it's pretty special and the run game has started to tick up a little bit week by week by week. Pollard to me looks a little more normal, right, whatever, week after week after week. Um, now, I think it's been a, a steady little progression three or four weeks. Uh, they're going to need that. They're going to have to be balanced. Um, and it's not just, CD, you know, they, that little run, just like the A.J. Brown run, you know what I mean, it happened for a while, and then it crescendoed, like, it's not C.D. Lamb isn't catching 12 balls for 180 yards every week anymore, right? Like that stop, because it was going to, because it's professional football, but yet the offense is still rolling up, you know, incredible efficiency and in, incredible point totals. So that, you know, that all is is real good stuff for them. Um, what that looks like, again, against better defenses out, outside of a perfect day to play pitch and catch on the road, where you have an early turnover, you know, do do they does that bring out their inner Jalen Hurts? You know what I mean, or does that bring out their inner Jekyll and Hyde, their inner self doubt? You know what I mean, their their inner whatever it's been in their collective competitive DNA that's led them to come up so small when the talent level is close, Equal. or when they okay. have to dare I say it punch up. So we'll see. Um, you know, I, I look. I think they're gonna. I jumped on that thing at the beginning of the week. That thing opened at seven. I jumped on it at seven. I told people to jump on it at seven. When I went to bed last night, a lot of books had it at nine and a half. My bet is by Thursday night kickoff, it's on the other side at ten. And my bet is Dallas still covers that. And my bet is Dallas rolls up somewhere between thirty-three and forty points, depending on game flow. And they make it look pretty easy. Um, and then, you know, we'll see when they start playing the teams you mentioned. Uh, I just don't think we can learn a whole lot about them until they are challenged that way. And I don't think they're going to be challenged on Thursday night. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Do you think Mike McCarthy is still in hot water if they don't, let's just say, get to the NFC Championship game? If they don't get there, is he still, are we looking at them maybe changing coaches, even though that would be considered, hey, a step up from where they've been the last two years, losing in the divisional round? I think they have to look like they belong in the playoffs, Carl. And and as it's been explained to me, however that, whatever Jerry's definition of that is, you know, like if they go out in the first round, but they they're playing. I mean, the thing is, if they're a high enough seed, right, they're going to have to win that first round game because you're, you're talking about you know yeah. playing a pretty flawed football. Well, game. I'll give you an example, Jason, real quick. We were talking about this yesterday um, because the NFC South is a mess, but the Falcons are three and zero in the division. If they win this division, and if they want, you know, if we were starting the playoffs right now, Dallas would come to Atlanta. That's what you're talking yeah, that's about. A must win. That's a yeah, must they, win. 
they got to win that game. And to your point, so, I mean, obviously things could change, but I agree with you. That first game, you, you got to find a way if you're Dallas. But go ahead. And then if they lose to whoever, Detroit, San Francisco, Philadelphia, you know what I mean? But Jerry thinks that the officials blew three calls. You know what I mean? And, yeah, like, yeah. this, that, <laughs> and the other worked against us, and we were good enough to win, and we should have won. Like, I, I think it will – now, yeah, if, if they go out to San Francisco – and they get punked like you know they did earlier this year. Then I I think Jerry Jones is as uh, and Stephen Jones will have already done a lot of work in the background, and I, like Dan Quinn is a coach in waiting if that's the way they want to go. Um, but yeah, the way it sets up and as bad as the NFC is, it, like they're not going to have to face San Francisco. Or Philadelphia in the first round, right? Um, or really Detroit for that matter. So however else that shakes out, yeah, you better win at least one playoff game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let me ask you, as we're talking about the Cowboys, it's in the huddle, guys. Subscribe, like us. Make sure you don't miss an episode. While we're talking about Dak real quick, and then we're, we'll move on. Uh, MVP. Dak currently, according to MGM, is fourth. Okay, in this race, it's Jalen Hurts award to lose. You got Patrick Mahomes. You got Lamar. You got Tua. I think Tua and Dak are probably right there. Is there any chance he wins this damn thing? I'm talking about Dak Prescott. Does he win the MVP? I'm just trying to think back anecdotally, like the way because this is done by it's not done by ai at least not yet right it's not done by a statistical <laughs> database it's that not, scared it's you not done it's not done by an algorithm it's done by humans right so the way humans usually look at this like everybody thought dallas was a playoff team more or less right most people figured um they're probably going to be second best to the eagles in their division and they'll probably be the best team out of all the other non-division winners. And then you throw in all the quarterback injuries to other teams on top of that. Like, Dallas doing what we thought Dallas was going to do, but having incredibly gaudy numbers at home against the dregs in the NFL. You know, like, if they were to come back and win the division, like, how many wildcard teams have the league's MVP? I, I, it doesn't feel like – No. Right? Like, just no. – Thinking about it, it doesn't really like you weren't even the best team in your division, but you've got the best team and best player in football. Especially when the, the league's so watered down, I don't know that that's how that thing goes. Like now, if he had a forty-eight touchdown season, if or something like if the numbers get crazy, yeah. But I don't think the numbers are going to get crazy because I think they're again they're about to be tested in a different way. And I don't think you're going to be able to do whatever you want in the second half already up by 27 points and just pad your stats. So my suspicion is no. Um, I'm not sure, you know, if Hurts is a one seed and Lamar is a one seed, I'm not sure that a four seed Dak is going to do enough to unseat one of those guys, assuming they stay healthy. Um, and like with Tua – like, doesn't pass the eye test. He's throwing, like, if you look at the last seven weeks, he's, he's, the touchdown numbers and the IAT numbers are like, are, are yeah. but I mean, they're almost identical. 
Like he's throwing as many picks lately as he is touchdowns. Like I like these are his TD passing by week. One, two, one, three, one, three, two, one. Like he had eight touchdown passes in the first three weeks. He hasn't come close to maintaining that pace. So he's got an interception in six of his last eight. He's got eight interceptions total in his last eight games. Mm. You know, I I don't know. I I I I don't think so. You know, I I don't I don't think so. Um, But we'll see. There's still a lot of football left. There is, Uh, and that's what's going to be interesting about this MVP hunt. And seeing who takes the lead, who, you know, who separates. And, and you know, again, I know we're talking a lot about Hurts, and maybe this is just his year, but you just can't count out Mahomes, man. That come from behind victory against the Raiders. Raiders were playing good. And then it was almost like he just – he turned it on, Jason. You know what I mean? It was like well, he flipped the Yeah. In the second half, you know, they had, they had scored what? Like uh, 13 total second-half points in the last six weeks, I think. And they were able to score, what, 17? That was 14-14, I think, at the half. And they, they ended up scoring another 17. They needed to get they needed to get it going in the second half. I do wonder, man, if Daniel Carlson, who's pretty automatic, if he makes that 30-yard field goal and it gets to 17-0, like, I really wonder what, what that game might have looked like. Because it was clear that Reed was going to run. Like, Reed wanted to stay balanced. We knew he can't, I, I can't afford a red zone pick in this game. You know what I mean? And I right. felt like things were pretty conservative from a play calling standpoint already. Like, and he really won't, even when Pacheco didn't get much going early, I'm like, he's going to keep, he's going to keep feeding him because he wants to stay balanced. He's just trying to keep it close. He can't afford a turnover now. Like if it got to a three score game. Um, and again, it was a 30 yard chip shot field goal away from doing that. I wonder if that would have really kind of affected them and maybe led to some of those turnovers and some of those manic plays and Mahomes forcing some decisions um, in a way that, frankly, we've seen more this year than ever in his career. Um, And, again, I think a lot of that has to do with the guys around him not being particularly good. Uh, You know, and if if it was one week sooner, and I know Max Crosby played in that game, but when they hit you with a doubtful, like – Medically, you know what I mean? Like you're you're and, and he's he 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 gives it all he has, but I think over the course of four quarters, was he gonna be able, you know what I mean, to be himself? And I think that had something to do with why the second half went like it did. Um, but yeah, that was an absolute must-win game for the Chiefs. Uh they they had to boss that second half. And they did. Um I still just don't know. I mean, I lean to them. I defer to them. I, I, I'll I'll put them in the Super Bowl until proven otherwise. But that's another one. Let's let let's see what it looks like if they're you know they're they're only guaranteed one home playoff game and not all of them. Yeah, because it changes things. Hey, while we're talking about uh, you know Philadelphia uh, in, in this particular episode, we're talking about Jalen Hurts. I want to ask you because we've always seen idiot fans. I know you're aware of the thing that happened with Shaq Lawson, Bill's defensive end, goes basically, you know, confronts a fan. He put out an apology on Instagram saying, those of you who know me know I'm all about the fans. I love and respect the game and my opponents. But he said before the game started, there was a fan behind our bench who was making life-threatening remarks towards us and our families. And then he said things boiled over. 
and you, you know, the video, you see Shaq Lawson. And, and Jason, we've we've dealt, listen, we've been doing this a long time. We've dealt with idiot fans. We've seen them. We've heard them. We've covered enough games in our life to know that some people get out of control. But this thing in Philly, specifically in Philly, right, it's unlike anywhere else. And it's almost like it's accepted. Like, hey, you're going to go into the lion's den and you're going to get treated like shit and just accept yeah. it, you know? And I just, I don't know if that's the way it should be. I'm all about fandom and going crazy for your team and, you know, talking a little noise that's healthy. But we've seen this escalate, right? We've seen fans get into more yeah. fights and all this kind of stuff. And as a player, if you're threatening me or my family as the game is going on and he let it get to him, I, I just, I don't know what, where the league goes with this. What are you doing? Are you going to kick out all the Philly fans? Because they're all doing it, right? Most of these folks are doing it. They're not all bad people, but at the end of the day, that's the reputation that they have. And now you've got players wanting to confront some of these folks. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I covered uh, Washington for five years um, as a beat reporter, covered a lot of games there. Um Covered a lot of playoff, fair amount of playoff games there that didn't involve Washington, just, you know, as a national NFL reporter. It is a little different. Um, I can vividly remember an incident where fans, I think it was more than one, were throwing stuff at Clinton Portis's mom. Mm. And it was pretty clear it was Clinton Portis's mom because she had a bedazzled Clinton Portis jersey on. You know what I mean? And like the way she right. was cheering. And if I recall correctly, she hauled off and hit somebody, and like there were no charges pressed. Like it was like, like this person was very much within their, you know, their they're standing their ground to eventually physically retaliate against what was being perpetrated upon her. Like no one was trying to act like you know um, she was in the wrong whatsoever. And players just you'd hear, you know, you'd, you'd shoot the bull with guys and. Yeah, I mean, they would say, they, they'd tell their wives, you know, don't wear my jersey, don't wear any of our stuff. You know, like, and and I guess there's probably a little bit of that everywhere. I do think it's a little different in Philly. I, I, I think the Eagles are aware of it. I'm sure they probably try to be vigilant to some degree about it. Um, I don't know. Like, it's weird. I don't know where to draw the line. You know, I've 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 been to like European soccer matches. I, I'm you know I I've watched soccer my whole life. I mean, it it might feel like it's sort of animalistic, but in a lot of those stadiums, literally the visitors section of this, there is a certain section, that's where the visiting fans sit, and there's chain link fences on Between. either side of that, that section, literally yeah. keeping people who don't have tickets in those sections from getting in there. Like, I remember going to an Arsenal-Chelsea FA Cup match in the early 2000s, and I happened to be sitting, like, right where the – like, right almost at the end of the touchline where the next two sections were the where the visitors see Chelsea. And there's a chain-link fence going all the way up to the top at Highbury, their old stadium. I don't know if they're at the new one. And there's Chelsea fans trying to climb it and Arsenal fans trying to climb it to fight at the top. But this isn't like the WWF. Like – the the fence goes up to a ceiling wall. There's no like it's not like it's you know a steel cage match and there's it's open ended. Like I'm like yeah. where there's nowhere to fight up there. You you're just you're climbing up this thing to hit a wall to come back down. But it's like so you know what I mean when you see that and you're like 
I'm not condoning anything that happens here. You know what I mean? Sure. But it's 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 like, you know, at, at least we don't. Although you look at some of these videos that come out of some of these stadiums, and you're like, maybe that's what you do need. I don't know. It's unfortunate. Um, part of me is surprised it doesn't happen more. You know, right. I, I I don't know. Um, but the teams would say, well, there's 70, if we're going to, you know, there's 70,000 people there. We can't monitor everything. Right. I mean, right. Like, and that's, that's, and, and that's, that's the excuse, right? I mean, they use it. And to a point, it's true. I mean, you don't, yeah. I've never gone as a fan to a game, looked around and felt like there was enough security. Like, you know what I mean? There, there, there really oh, sure. is. Oh, yeah. No. I mean, when these things break out, it's like every man for himself. You know what I mean? It's like, uh, you oh. know, I'm going to engage or not, and then I'm just going to wait. Security, somebody's on the radio. We need help. And then, you know, it's a, five problem. Minutes, it's a problem. It's a problem. So that's the only reason why I bring it up. And then when you have players, again, teammates usually, you know, get involved, and they're like, let's, let's just keep it moving. But when you have players engaging in that, it becomes a dangerous situation. And we saw, you know, Malice at the Palace. I think the anniversary just passed here recently, yeah. you know, and, and you just don't want that in the NFL. You don't want somebody throwing a hot coffee, okay, on an NFL player, and all of a sudden he's taking his helmet off and banging somebody. You just don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, like, could the league try to have an edict that every team must spend to some minimum on security above and beyond yes. whatever yeah. arrangements they have with the local jurisdiction? Because I don't even think a lot of those are, are coming out of like the I think like here it might be changing with their new leases, but like the Maryland Stadium Authority, you know what I mean, has has to put this much towards game day and security and that much, and the team provide this much. But like that threshold is very low. And if you look at it, I'm sure if you looked at an owner opened his books and you saw all that's coming in and how little they're putting out on public security, it it would probably be pretty shameful. Like and again, a lot of these people, right, it's a seasonal job for them. You know what I mean? They're not necessarily trained professionals, and they're not being compensated in a way that would make right. them want to take a punch for anybody, nor do I like <laughs> it, right? right? But, like, could all these teams be mandatory that, okay, we got a real problem in these stadiums, and every team is going to have to spend at least $500,000, right, and divide that by 10 or how many home games you have, including the preseason additionally you know what i mean to staff every other section with somebody who's a cop or a former cop or whatever yeah of course they yeah. could do that they could do it it wouldn't change a damn thing about their lives it wouldn't cost them one extra yacht it wouldn't cost them one extra private plane it wouldn't cost them anything but would are they would they do that on their own clearly not no they don't want to did did did, did you watch on friday like the turf monster in the Meadowlands. How many more players did that swallow up? You think yeah. that'll ever change unless they're shamed into it? You got two billionaire teams in the biggest market sharing a stadium, and they can't come up with a surface that isn't complete garbage, that isn't total shit? Yeah. Yeah. Come on. And Aaron, and Aaron Rodgers wants to come back and play on that. Good luck. Yeah, hey, <laughs> two things. Uh, before we get out of here, guys, in the huddle, subscribe, like us, watch us on in the huddle at in the huddle pod. Uh, Jason Lock on four, Carl Dix with you, and of course, our man Brian Balding will be with us on Thursday. Uh, we started this podcast talking about Carolina. Reports are <laughs> Greg Olson is interested in the job and willing to interview for the job. 
Greg Olson? I mean, I know Tom Brady's about to step into that spot. So Olsen's going to become the number two guy on Fox. I think he does a really good job. But Greg Olsen, he's great. But but, but 38 years old, and now he wants to interview and he's interested in the job, willing to talk to uh, Dave Tepper? Come on. Fuck, man. (laughs) (laughs) No words? I'll take it too. I'm interested. I'm in. Okay. Like it's official. I don't even need to find some useful idiot Bobo in the media to whisper it to. I'm going to say it myself. I'm interested. I'm interested. Yeah. I'll call you toddler to your face. I'll take your money. I'll be the bad cop. I'll save you from yourself. I'll do it for a million a year. (laughs) Exactly. Let alone, because you know, because if Greg Olson gets his job, he'll be fired in a year and he'll be, he'll be set. I mean, this is unbelievable. So that's just out there. This is is so – he had a former player who a lot of people thought is a head coach in the making, who people have been hiring as an offensive coordinator for years. He decided to stay home in Texas until his kids were out of high school to coach them. He also coached Drake May, who's going to be at worst the number two pick in the draft. He just got fired by David Tepper. His name's Josh McCown. He was in the building. He got thrown out. He's going to hire a tight end who's never coached anywhere. To come in and be the head coach? Yeah. It's a joke. What? Because Jeff Saturday got a got a payday from a from another owner who doesn't know what the hell he's doing. So now it's open season for these guys to all yeah, it is jump, jump yes. onto the sidelines. That, that's what's happened. That's what I'm saying. And I don't blame Greg Olson. Like, yeah, I'm interested. Who knows if he's even been contacted? But the fact is, he saw Jeff get paid. That's a quick payday. And yeah, why not? You know, I'll go grab some coaching experience. Uh, who cares if I win or lose? But uh, either way. So I that's think Greg's super sharp. I've always been impressed with I Greg. Covered him I as too. a player. And then I was on a flight with him once. Um, just randomly. I don't remember where it was. I don't know where we were. I was coming back from. Um, like if, if Greg Olson threw himself into anything, I think he'd be successful at it. Parachuting into a franchise that's that, you know, on fire with zero coaching experience anywhere and thinking that you, you know, that that's going to go well. Good luck yeah. with that one. Um, that's the problem. That That's the problem. This is not an ideal situation. And I think just because he's a long time, you know, Carolina Panther and uh, I'm willing to step in hell, you might as well hire Cam Newton. You know what I mean? Give me a break. I mean, this is like, let's just go down the list of former greats. Steve Smith, you want the job? I mean, let, let's just go down all the guys that have been there <laughs> And talk about hiring them because this is where this thing is going. It's nuts. All right. I got to ask you this before we get out of here. The Ravens continue to impress me. Um, look, I know it's the Chargers. I know that Brandon Staley is is on my short list of guys that are going to get got. Oof. But yeah. how impressed were you in week 12 with going on the West Coast? Okay. Going out oh, West. Yeah. And if they've been good at home, but can you be good on the road? 2010 was the final score. They hold Herbert to 217 yards, throwing the football. He threw a pick. The defense, again, just sacks and and, and turnovers. Man, this Ravens team, they've impressed me at 9-3 and three now and 5-1 and, and one away yeah. from their home field, Jason. No, it's it, – look, what they have done to win 9 out of 12 games with the schedule that they were given, which included road games at all three – um, 
divisional opponents within the first five weeks of the season. It's already included two West Coast trips plus a trip to London. Um, it's included facing multiple teams already when they have more arrest advantage to you. It's included the requisite number of injuries because that's football, and especially with these guys, um, they've had to deal with with an alarming number of them to key players in recent years. Um, you know, it's included them blowing some late games. They had no business losing, but bouncing back, right, and flexing their muscles the following week. Like, it, it's incredibly impressive. Um, and for them to go back out west and to do it when they were running on fumes against the Bengals, you could really see that that bye couldn't come soon enough. And a lot of times the week before bye, especially after you have to have a travel, a lot of guys already kind of have their eyes on, you know, vacation and it's the holidays and – you're getting pulled in a lot of different directions and everybody can't wait to get you back in the house. And it's easy to slip up. And offensively, they slipped up. But defensively, master class. Master class. Um, you know, I think that that cements the fact that Mike McDonald will not be the defensive coordinator of the Ravens next year. He's going to be somebody else's wonder boy head coach. Um yeah, it was it was incredibly impressive. Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen needed that extra rest from the Thursday to the Sunday. They were shot out of a cannon. Um, they look rejuvenated, and they'll be great on the other side of the bye. Like, there's a lot of, of good things going on there. Um, I'll just say. What? No Mark Andrews, right? No Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews. Far and away the most touchdown passes from Lamar Jackson of any player. Lamar, uh, Mark Andrews, far and away the most first down receptions of any player in Lamar Jackson's career. Far and away the highest percentage of receptions that are either a first down or a touchdown than any other player Lamar Jackson has played with. Lamar Jackson passing the ball on third down in that game was one of seven for four yards. Lamar Jackson, when he threw the ball 11 yards in the air or more in that game, was one of six for 21 yards, one completion to Nelson Aguilar. Like, Zay Flowers is doing a lot of great stuff. That troubles somebody's going Somebody's going to bracket Zay Flowers in the playoffs and say, we're going to get an early lead on these guys, and we're going to see if Odell Beckham and Nelson mm -hmm. Aguilar and yeah. Isaiah Likely can beat us. And my suspicion is they can't. Now, what they got going on in the backfield is awesome. And they could give 12 carries to Gus Edwards and 12 carries to Keaton Mitchell and six carries to Justice Hill and 10 to 12 to Lamar Jackson and two or three to Zay Flowers or Devin Duvernay or whatever you want to do with your jet sweeps and your end arounds and your, your, your gadget plays on the ground. And there will be a lot of teams that way. And they might be able to beat everybody that way. But I think that's where it's headed. Like, even Odell Beckham, it's this, it's a slant. He's going to catch a couple of slants. He may take them for 30 yards after the catch. They had 177 receiving yards in that game against that horrible, broken Chargers defense. 120 were yak. So that's a tough way to go against real defenses in the playoffs. So that's what I'm worried about, you know? Okay. okay. Who, who, who makes plays for them without Mark Andrews in the passing game? Because I think that will ultimately – if the season doesn't go as far as they think it should, my suspicion is that's their undoing. Um, 
Who stepped in for Andrews, by the way? Who's who's playing that? Who's playing well, that? They've role? got Isaiah Likely. Who they drafted oh. Isaiah Likely and Charlie Kohler in the in the mid like third fourth round a couple of years ago. Um, and Likely showed up early, but again, it's RPOs, it's pop passes, it's three yard pass. Hope you know he's a speed guy. Hopefully, you get eight yards after the fact. Like when it's third and long, and the ball's got to go fifteen yards. And the other thing is, nobody wins in the middle except for Andrews. Like, and that's where Lamar, if you look at his heat charts through his career, that's where he's done the most damage, especially when he had Andrews and Hayden Hurst, two legitimate move tight ends in 2019 sure. when he was the unanimous MVP. And you look at his red zone heat charts from that year where he was the best red zone passer in the NFL. And it's like, okay, well, Andrews can still beat you on a seam route. But, but like, even I likely can't even, like, he doesn't, they don't even pretend he can block. So, like, He's not even really going to be in line. He's going to be in the slot. He's going to be out wide. He's basically a wide receiver. I mean, a lot of times it's really 11 personnel. Likely he's out there, but he's out there as a wide receiver. So there's no real tight end on the field in some of those packages. So, you know, they don't have anybody who's a dual threat, who can block and and catch the ball from the tight end position. And I think that's going to catch up with them because that's been the position that Lamar has favored the most. Um but but could they could they augment that with so much explosion out of the run game that they don't have to play from behind and this or that? Like it's possible. And that defense, certain weeks, hey, just get us 17 points, just get us 14 points. It might be enough. But again, that's slim margins in the playoffs. It's valid. It really is. And I want to see how it plays out. I'm here for it. I want to see the Ravens and what they do in these playoffs. Jason, great job as always. In the huddle, guys, subscribe, like us. We're back to talk about the games next week. We're counting down now to the end of the season. We're, we're getting to a point again where you see how these conferences are going to be played and uh, who's going to win, what the wild card's potentially looking like. These next few weeks are very important for those teams that are on the fringe, and we're all about it. Baldy will be here on Thursday. We'll break down a lot of the games and uh, look ahead to Sunday's matchups. Jason Lock on four. Follow him. Read him in the Washington Post, guys. Check us out. We appreciate you guys being here. It's in the huddle. 2400 Sports is an Odyssey company.